0: Do or do not, there is no try, or so he says. Today's episode, we're covering the appearance of Yoda throughout the saga films and discussing his impact as an iconic character within the Star Wars universe. Hello and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host Charlotte. Hey everyone, I'm your other
1: host Caitlin, and welcome to Yoda Two, where we're talking all about Yoda in this saga films uh we're really excited to be continuing our yoda series so if you are just tuning in this is yoda 2 so we had yoda 1 which came out a couple weeks ago and was all about the history and development of the actual physical and digital yoda that we see in the films and now we've moved on to yoda 2 where we're talking all about the actual character of yoda
0: yep and I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who responded and told us their cutest Yoda. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the, the main thing, and we talked about this last episode about like, what's our ideal cute Yoda? And we got a lot of mixed responses. I don't think there was one dominant answer, which I think mm-hmm. is the right answer. I don't <laughs> think there should be a dominant answer because I think Yoda is pretty cute throughout a lot. Of Star Wars but I do have to say I did see a lot of people saying The Last Jedi and I think that's really interesting and I I I think I agree I think that that Yoda is pretty cute but um I think that's really something that Ryan Johnson and Frank Oz kind of accomplished there that I don't think can be overlooked like Yoda was really lovable in that scene Mm -hmm. and he comes off as cute and wacky and funny and I think that's great.
1: Last Jedi Yoda is definitely my favorite Yoda. Uh, I still think Rebels Yoda might be my favorite cute Yoda. He's just like so round. I like the a round. A lot of people said that too. The round model of Yoda.
0: Yeah, I have to say, there's this one image I found on Google images of Yoda in the Clone Wars surrounded by like butterflies and dragonflies and cute bugs. And it's no. so adorable. I've said this to you a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> it's so adorable. Then I'm like, wow, Clone Wars Yoda, even though he's quite angular, is pretty cute, too.
1: I don't think Clone Wars Yoda
0: is cute at all. Okay, but come on. That photo is adorable.
1: That photo... I don't think Clone Wars Yoda is that cute. (laughs) (laughs) Give me Rebels Yoda any day. Alrighty. I wonder if we'll see Yoda in Resistance at all. Like, what would his model look like in Resistance?
0: Wow, I don't think we will. No, I don't think so either. But like, if we, did. oh, we also saw a lot of people say "Galaxies of Adventures Yoda," yeah. who is really cute and yeah. super filled with expression, and every that animation style is so gorgeous. It's like,
1: really cute. Forces of Destiny Yoda was pretty darn cute too.
0: Yeah, I think that two D animated Yoda is really cute.
1: Yeah, the rounder the better for my Yoda.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, mood. <laughs> the rounder, the better. Yeah. Uh, so
1: like we said, this episode, we're going to be talking all about Yoda across the films. And I'm a little nervous to talk about it because we, I don't know, Yoda is such a big character and he's neither one of our favorite characters, which we discussed, I actually think is really a good thing for this type of discussion. But I don't know. I I I'm curious to see how our conversation goes. What conclusions, if any, we come to. I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm excited and nervous to be kind of diving in a little bit deeper into his character because while we have discussed him at length before, it's never been like this. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm I think I'm right there with you. I think this podcast will probably be way more conversational and like i don't think we're testing like a theory like we sometimes do on the show sometimes yeah i i, <laughs> I think that we're going to be talking through yoda throughout the films what we see who we see and just that yeah and it'll be interesting
1: So before we get started, uh, just a reminder that we are going to be doing a commentary on some of the Yoda episodes from the Clone Wars that will be up on our Patreon um, that will be tied to our Yoda series. So if you are interested in that, you can head on over to our Patreon to check that out. It'll be up before the end of our Yoda series. So, And if you follow us on Twitter, you'll know then too.
0: Yes, Absolutely. Okay, so why don't we just dive right into it? So in part one, we're going to be talking about the prequels. Part two, we're going to be talking about the original trilogy. And in part three, we're going to be talking about the sequel trilogy. So without further ado, let's get started. Master, moving stones around is one thing. This is totally different. No, no different. Only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned. So welcome to part one where I think that we have a pretty easy format this uh, this episode where part one's uh, prequels and you know we're going chronologically and I think it's good that we're doing that because Caitlin and I actually both did something really interesting where we watched every Yoda scene <laughs> from every movie in chronological order and it Kind of yielded some interesting results. I think I noticed things that I never noticed before because sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit more attuned to scenes that have Anakin in them or Kylo Ren or Ray um, or honestly Luke or Leia. I'm more focused on those kind of lines versus a Yoda and May scene, for example. And it really helped me zero in on certain lines of dialogue, which I thought was really in- an interesting exercise. And I kind of recommend it. I don't know. What did you, what did you think?
1: Well, I actually have a confession. Um, oh, oh, no. <laughs> I did not watch it in chronological order. I watched it in release order, actually. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I started to watch it in chronological order, and then I was thinking about our conversation in the last episode where I had discussed how, for me, when I first watched Star Wars chronologically, going from Avenger the Sith Yoda to Empire Strikes Back Yoda was a really big jump, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, both in terms of just how he looked and as his actual character. So I decided I wanted to switch it up and actually go from, you know, first trilogy, second trilogy than into third trilogy. Um, I don't know, to just kind of, like you said, to change perspective a little bit on it because that's Mm -hmm. how I always always think of Yoda very chronologically. uh, And I think that perhaps that has led to me not understanding him as well as I should or taking the time to understand him. Because like you were saying too, I tend to be more focused on characters like the Skywalkers. (laughs) Yeah. And that just grabs my attention more, so... I did not watch it chronologically. I watched it in release order, but I watched all the scenes nonetheless. And uh, I still think we'll have a good conversation.
0: Yeah, I think that's an interesting perspective, actually. Mm -hmm. I think that you're right that it probably has bogged down your perspective because it is so jarring and that was your first introduction. Um, while so many people consider Yoda to be that like wacky lovable creature that we saw first in Empire Strikes Back Mm -hmm. and you did not have that experience at all and let's talk through the prequels so like if we could define Yoda's role in the prequel trilogy in like two to three words what would we define it as?
1: I think hesitation perhaps Mm -hmm. could be a good word to describe him in the Prequel trilogy, maybe even like, this sense of foreboding is kind of always around Yoda. This like this separation, like this isolation of what's like really going on in his head.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I I wrote down clouded, mm-hmm. uncertain, and doubtful. And I think there's like several occasions. Clouded is pretty obvious. He actually says clouded often (laughs) um (laughs) uncertain i think that even in the phantom menace he's just kind of unsure about anakin he's too old you know you get that kind of quirkiness where he's like oh too old you know that comes out and then doubtful i think manifests in a couple different ways and i think we should talk about them um I don't know Yoda in the prequel trilogy is an enigma because I want to love him. And I just don't because I think that he in a way represents the Jedi and their mindset to not be able to move forward. Mm
1: -hmm. And of
0: course they're being controlled by Palpatine at this point, but I do think that he represents like an old time, I guess. I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I guess we should also just have a quick caveat that we're not going to be dwelling too much on animated Yoda in this episode. We'll definitely be bringing up Yoda in the Clone Wars and in Rebels, of course, but we're really going to be focusing on him in the films. So. Yeah, yeah, I just don't want people to be like, "You miss all of this stuff in the Clone Wars." Like we know, <laughs> <laughs> there's only very aware, very aware. <laughs> So sorry, I didn't mean to like break your train of thought. I just wanted to make sure we said that. Uh, But no, I think it's interesting that you say that because as I was watching, I was actually thinking about how I find Yoda so much more interesting in the original trilogy than I do in the second trilogy. And it's because there is so much, like for as much Yoda content as we do have with the animated series of Yoda in this time period, there is still so much that we don't understand. And this was the thing that always I came back to. I was like, how can he be so wise and so all knowing? Like, If all of these things are true, what they say about Yoda, how did he not know what was coming? Like, What was he doing? And I still think that that question is valid. But I think now as I'm older, I'm like, well, again, that's the point. The point is he didn't know what to do. And and like you kind of said, he was stuck in this like this hesitation and this uncertainty of what is the right step. And maybe he was kind of lost in that unknowingness and like fear, perhaps even of if I do this thing, then all these other, like he wasn't sure what path to take, which he he comments on a lot about how, you know, the future is always changing and, you know, no path is set. And maybe he couldn't pick a path to go on and he ended up stagnant.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's true. Um. I, I, before we get going, I want to say and ask this question that's going to seem weird, but since we're focusing on a singular character, a singular male character, I'm going to ask this question. Don't laugh. Does Yoda follow the hero's journey? No. The answer is no. It's no. (laughs) I just think it's an interesting thing to ask, because if you do take Yoda in isolation, he does grow and change. Um, He is not a a passive character throughout the entire Star Wars saga at all, and I think that's obviously interesting, and that's why we're doing a whole series on him. But he doesn't follow any sort of change in the same way that Luke does. I do think that he has a very fascinating shift, but it's definitely not the Cambelian hero's journey at all.
1: Yeah, I, I tend to think about Yoda as actually quite unchanging throughout the saga for good and bad reasons, too. I think that he changes a lot by the time we get to the sequel trilogy, but that's that, again, is the thing that
0: has conflicted me about his character for so long. I actually completely disagree with that. I think that Yoda in the prequel trilogy is so different than the Yoda we see in the original trilogy because of the events in the prequel trilogy. And in order for him to move past this unknowing, this doubtfulness, this cloudedness, he needed to look evil in the eye. And he does that with Palpatine. And it forever changes him and kind of drives him in this weird Like wackiness, this madness almost in the original trilogy that is perhaps a mask for who he truly is, but it's still somewhat there.
1: I think on a very surface level, he obviously changes a lot by the time we get into this second uh, original trilogy, just for the reasons you said. Guys, I'm really trying to make second trilogy a thing. I know, Um, but it's
0: really confusing, Kayla.
1: (laughs) That's how George talked about it, and by golly, if I'm not a George Lucas fan... I just, like, I got to give it the old college try.
0: <laughs> I agree with that. It's just I, I think some some of our listeners might need, like, a little guide because sometimes <laughs> I'm, like, even racking my brain about it. Anyway.
1: <laughs> really, I'm the only one putting in effort here and you're not. So if you could just kind of join
0: you in this. <laughs>
1: in this endeavor. We're just we're in a transition phase, okay? We're just in a transition phase right now. It's like working a muscle. Right? We just got to work the muscle. For those of you that don't know, George Lucas, in some interview, I don't even remember where, but we talked about it on the show. He was like, I always thought – I didn't think of it as, like, prequel and original or sequel trilogy. I thought of it as, like, the first trilogy is the original trilogy, and then the second trilogy is the prequel trilogy. And, like, I refer to them as original and second trilogy. Basically,
0: part. it's release order for him.
1: Yeah, basically. So, anyway, I'm trying to get in the habit of saying it like that, too, but it's hard. And... <laughs> I don't even know what I was talking. Oh, Yoda changing? Yes, I think Yoda changes on a very surface level, and the event whether or not it's a mask or it's the actual his kookiness. I think we'll discuss when we start talking about the original trilogy. But I think for, for you said that he's just he a word to describe him would be clouded in the second trilogy, which I think is true, and he looks evil in the face with Palpatine and has to confront that everything is falling apart around him. But he, he, can, he keeps Luke clouded from the truth throughout the original trilogy as well. And to me, that doesn't represent necessarily a change or growth at that point, because so much was hidden from him. So much was kept separate. Like, he wasn't able to access the truth of what was going on in the second trilogy. And then he, in turn, is the one keeping the truth from Luke in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And for me, that doesn't represent growth. I, I'm really excited to talk about it um, and dive a little bit more into that in the original trilogy. but that's why that's why I tend to think he doesn't have change. He, or his change is very slow because I do think there is change in between the the second and original trilogy, but I think the most change is between the original trilogy and the third trilogy.
0: Let's test your theory because you're kind of winning me over. So in the first movie, The Phantom Menace, Yoda, the first time we see Yoda is about halfway, maybe over halfway through the movie in the Jedi Council when Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan bring Anakin back into the Jedi Council. And I think it's really interesting because the first time we see Yoda, I mean, yeah, the first time we see Yoda is in this kind of strange setting where he is kind of interrogating a child, if, that's kind of how it feels to me every time I mm-hmm. watch it, where he, it's not, it's not very warm at all. Mm-hmm. And he is, you know, he's too old. He's too old. If you can kind of compare that, if you say he doesn't change to Ben Kenobi forcing Luke to go to Dagobah, Almost the first thing that Yoda says to ghostly Ben Kenobi is he's too old, too old to complete the training. Mm -hmm. So perhaps you're kind of right there in that he still is kind of stuck in those ways. But in a way, I do think Yoda represents that there can be change even later in life, which I think is kind of a great Star Wars message. (laughs) Even
1: past life, I could argue.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Um, but you don't die if you're one with the forest, so I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, the thing that I kind of uh, picked up on in this viewing of The Phantom Menace that I thought was kind of funny was, you know how everyone is always like, ah, oh, midichlorians, they suck. I can't believe mm-hmm. they use the midichlorians. And it's like, no, of course they use it. Like, yeah, they suck. They're supposed to suck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what I think is even more ridiculous than the Clorians is the fact that they basically just have Anakin performing a magic trick of, like, what do you see on the screen? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, of all the ways you could test him, you don't ask, like, if he can move something or, or what. It's like, tell us what you see on the screen. Like, how many fingers am I holding up behind my back? Two? Three? Rock paper scissors, you know. I don't know. I just think it's kind of silly that that was the test. A ship,
0: a cup. <laughs> I'm like,
1: is this coded? Is this just like a set test it's for everyone? So,
0: every time, yeah. Every time I watch it, I'm like, this is weird. Like <laughs> when he's like a cup, I'm like what? what's yeah. happening here for me that's the thing that everyone
1: should be like that's dumb yeah, it is dumb <laughs> the jedi council is all summoned to watch this kid be like there's a cup on your screen <laughs> yeah it's talking about yoda and his first interaction with anakin it's very different from how we see him interacting with the younglings in revenge of the Sith uh or uh in attack of the clones where it's it's very warm and you know, lost the planet Obi-Wan has. Yeah. Uh, it's very – like, it's more similar to – you get to see glimpses of that kind of quirky personality that is manifested in the original trilogy, but it's all business in The Phantom Menace with this kid. And he's like, oh, you're worried about losing your mother. And Anakin's like, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that it's you bring up the Attack of the Clones point – Um, the scene with, uh, Obi-Wan going in Yoda's training younglings, and he has that great line that I think is one of the best lines in the saga of truly wonderful the mind of a child is.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You can kind of contrast that to, like, I wouldn't say Yoda was aggressive, I just don't think that he was very kind. Warm. Yeah, warm in The Phantom Menace. And I feel like there was a sense of warmth with that group of younglings.
1: Well, that's a group that they've trained from yeah. childhood. Truly – it's interesting when you think about it because you're like, truly wonderful the mind of the child is. Well, that mind has been shaped molded. by the Jedi Council. Yeah, molded, shaped by the Jedi Council. And you never want to use the term like manipulated because that sounds really negative, but that's kind of what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're brought up in a very specific way of life, which we all are to some extent. Uh yeah but it, it is interesting. But it reminds me of how I was thinking that, like, the word to describe Yoda in this trilogy was hesitant. And that's kind of the vibe that I would put with him in that first scene with Phantom Menace, in the Phantom Menace with Anakin. Uh, you know, a bit of trepidation, like, is this kid really who Qui-Gon thinks he is? If he And you have to imagine what kinds of things Yoda is beginning to sense from the Force, perhaps what versions of the future he's already seen at this point. And it's like, well, here's this kid and, and he's the chosen one. It's like, well, when he mean he doesn't meet any of our criteria mm-hmm. uh yeah he's got he's got the many glorians yeah i can tell you there's a cup on the screen but like he's too old <laughs> and what is like there are challenges with that and i think that's kind of the realistic side of what yoda of what the jedi council or what the jedi do in their training and he was right you know for the type of system they had set up anakin was too old
0: yeah, I think that it's really interesting because I think there's another question that we can ask ourselves about Yoda in the prequels is, does he believe in the Chosen One prophecy? Because in The Phantom Menace, I think he's reluctant, uh, even up until the end, um, to accept Anakin and all these things. And he just kind of like doesn't really ever give a clear answer about, at least in the films, about what he thinks of the Chosen One prophecy. Mm. He it's interesting because in the talk of the clones you have the scene where mace obi-wan and yoda are walking down a hallway yoda's in this like amazing hover chair the <laughs> hover chair doesn't get enough attention i want to sit in the hover chair the hover chair is the best <laughs> and i he you know obi-wan is like oh man he's ar- anakin's arrogant i don't know if i trust this mission it's i i have weird feelings about it is what obi-wan's essentially saying and Yoda goes, you know, I'm really confident in the council's decision. And I think that you guys, I mean, I don't think anyone should have any doubts about Anakin's ability. I think clearly he's presented himself and Obi-Wan's like, well, his abilities has made him arrogant. You know, and I think there's this really interesting moment where Yoda's like kind of passive aggressive about arrogance. And he says like arrogance is a a flaw more common in the Jedi, even the more experienced ones. And I think he like kind of says that smiling to Obi-Wan. And it's it's really strange to me because I think that he's right. He's right in that. Not just the young, you know, whippersnappers like mm. Anakin are arrogant in their abilities, but I also think that Yoda and the Jedi Council themselves are arrogant in their own abilities. Mm. And I think that they're arrogant in that, of course, the Senate is, you know, for good. And we're like serving the Senate and, you know, I, I think, yes, peacekeepers. But like, what does that even mean? I don't think that they're really thinking that much about it, at least in this time point. And, I, I just find that that line super interesting, and it's something that I, this is one of those things that I just kind of really didn't notice before about, and just kind of ironic. And just to go even back to my question about, like, what does Yoda think of the Chosen One prophecy? I think in this moment, he's confident in the council and their ability to, like, group vote about whether or not Anakin is ready, but I still am just unsure if he fully believes in the chosen one prophecy, which could have been something that he wrestled with for the entire time that Anakin was in his life.
1: Yeah. That's a really interesting question you bring up. Cause I've never thought about that, about if Yoda actually believed that Anakin was who everyone says he was mm-hmm. really just who Qui-Gon said he was, because I think you see that doubt from a lot of other characters Uh, and I don't know, I think there's also kind of this need to believe that it is true. Yeah. Because there's so much going on and there's so much, like, the writing's on the wall for what's coming down the line and I'm sure Yoda understands that and it's like, he has to be the chosen one because, like, we don't have any other options. Yeah. And, uh, if this is, like, this isn't how a chosen one should act and, you know, he's He's our only hope, like, God help us. (laughs) 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 I I feel like there's kind of that mentality or or like, yeah, does he actually believe that Anakin is the chosen one? I think he's – I think you might be able to say that he's making himself believe that Anakin is the chosen one and trying to see that future. But depending on what he's actually seeing – I don't know, like where, like clearly he has doubts. And I think his doubts come from his meditations.
0: In Revenge of the Sith, there's a great scene. Again, another one that I think gets really overlooked in my mind where they're uh, Yoda, Mace, and Obi-Wan, I believe, are on a clone commando ship flying to Obi-Wan is about to leave, I believe. And I think that everyone there is kind of wondering, talking about the prophecy of the Chosen One. And Yoda is kind of, like, rubbing his head, and Mace is like, I don't know if he's the chosen one, basically. And Obi-Wan goes, he won't let me down. He never has. And Yoda goes, hope right you are. And it's like okay, well, you can take that to mean, all right, I I hope he's right. Like, I hope that Obi-Wan's right. I'm really like laying all my hope in Obi-Wan and all everything is good. But I do think that he is filled with doubt there about whether Anakin is able to execute any mission, really.
1: Yeah, there's that hesitation. And I think Yoda is very aware of the influence that other people have on Anakin and how volatile his emotions can be, especially Mm -hmm. because he's seen, you know, when Anakin came to him with his dreams and his visions, and there was that fear in Anakin there. And I think in a way, Obi-Wan has, or uh, that's the first thing Yoda picks up on with Anakin in The Phantom Menace is this fear. Mm -hmm. And you can almost imagine Yoda just kind of tracking this seed of fear in Anakin throughout his whole life. Mm-hmm. And watching it and worrying about it and in a way, keeping him separated, like not forging that kind of relationship with Anakin or really trying to work through, okay, let's talk about why you're scared. Okay. you know, like being a confidant for that as opposed to just extolling more of the Jedi virtues of like fear leads to anger, and anger leads to hate, the whole thing rather than actually talking about, okay, why is why what are you fearful of? because mm-hmm. Anakin in his own right was fearful to actually say what he was fearful of of yeah. not just losing someone losing Padme not just mm-hmm. losing someone losing his mother um and he didn't feel like he could share those things but i just i think it's so fascinating because at the end of the day like we and we've discussed this before too of how Anakin like what was their relationship that Anakin decided to go to Yoda of all people i know to talk about his vision of Padme dying <laughs> it's like Oh, you're treading, (laughs)
0: walking on thin ice there, dude. I know. It's fascinating, isn't it? I think that, I used to think about it before there was the Clone Wars that, like, perhaps in a world where anakin was forced to meditate maybe he found some sort of like solace in medita- meditating with master yoda i don't know mm-hmm. um that's kind of how i rationalize that whole thing but I, I don't think we can have this conversation without because if the prequels are a tragedy because they are they're the you know they're the tragedy mm-hmm. of anakin skywalker i i don't think that we can talk about yoda without talking about like basically his failings in the prequels because he's totally complicit in this tragedy Mm -hmm. and i think you bring you bringing up anakin going to yoda for advice is a great place to start because i think it's probably the one that's one of the most debated ones in fandom i think um when yoda doles out the advice of train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose I think it's really fascinating because I really do think that's good advice. I don't think that anyone should be fearful about anyone leaving, anyone losing anything. Nothing belongs to you. And I think that's a great lesson. But I do think that it's in a way it was pretty heartless to say that to someone who's sitting in front of you clearly in pain who has experienced like a, a tons of loss from losing his mother previously. Which Yoda knows, because he experienced that. He experienced what Anakin went through when he killed the Tusken Raiders. And in that scene, Yoda was also visited by voices of Qui-Gon saying, you know, Anakin, Anakin, no, right? And all these things. Yoda should understand Anakin's pain, but chooses to not. And instead gives this kind of basic advice, which, again, I have to say, fine advice, but <laughs> I do think that it's not, I don't know, I think that if you, which I obviously have done, come at it from Anakin's perspective, it's just not the right piece of advice for your student.
1: Well, you think about how the, you know, the Jedi teach compassion, and Yoda, and we see this particularly with Yoda and Obi-Wan in, across the saga of feeling the pain of others. So mm-hmm. inherently that it has a physical effect on them. It like doubles them over in emotional pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but they often don't show that kind of empathy for each other and recognize that, yeah, we have this greater calling to be keepers of the peace, to be warriors, to try and make things right in the galaxy. Uh, but we don't talk enough with each other about how hard that can be or what kind of personal investment we have in these things or or someone's like, you know, you would think that if Yoda believed or if everyone agreed that Anakin was the chosen one, that there might – but like given his circumstances of how he came into the Jedi Order late in, later in life, that there would be almost these special allowances for him or special check-ins like, mm-hmm. how's it going? Any more dreams about your mother? Yeah. Um, <laughs> knowing that he had this different upbringing that would have kind of changed the, like, the chemistry of his brain in a way, Um, Mm. that his molding was a little different from anyone else. And I think that could be, like, a whole other set of problems that the Jedi could have gotten into with that. Uh, But the fact that Yoda, they were just like, okay, we'll throw him in, and, like, he's Obi-Wan's Padawan, and, like, let's go. And they just give him, like, the exact same kind of training that they gave everyone else, and think that, Like, well, he's just not being a good Jedi Mm -hmm. (laughs) because he's having these dreams about people he loves. Why? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Why is that? (laughs) And I think all of the Jedi just want to believe that they're working around the clock and doing everything they can because they are doing everything they can. I think we just we talk a lot about the tragedy of the Jedi and how it's like their folly that led to their fall and and the dark side, and they were so clouded in bureaucracy and and all that kind of stuff, and all of that is true, but that doesn't mean that their intentions weren't good, that their intentions weren't pure, um that the things that they were fighting for weren't true um there was just all these other pieces that they weren't considering and, and honestly wasn't being shared <laughs> on a greater level. Like you, there's that line when Mace – I think – is it Mace or is it Yoda? Who's like, I think we should tell the Senate that our connection to the force has diminished. And when you hear that and you actually understand it, you're like, whoa.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs>
1: what? <laughs> and I think the first time I remembered kind of realizing the um, – like how intense that was, like how big of a moment that was. Is do you remember that Clone Wars episode, or it's the it's Ahsoka's episodes uh, at the end of you know her last arc in the Clone mm-hmm. Wars, and there's that murder, and they have to bring in a droid to like basically scope the room because the Jedi can't do it anymore mm-hmm. because their connection to the Force has diminished. Like they basically can't discern like fact from fiction or or something like that. But but the point is they have to bring in extra help because they can't do it anymore because as a whole, collectively, their connection to the Force is diminished. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just so insane. And, And rather than trying to do things differently or trying to understand why that's happening, it often felt like Yoda was keeping so much of that burden on himself and not sharing it perhaps because out of fear or knowing that it was inevitable maybe even. And that's just part of their tragedy too. And it's like, I wonder what would have happened if he had been more open with other people about the gravity of what was happening or what he was seeing
0: that I was going to bring up that line because I do think that that's a clear point of failure for Yoda and the Jedi as a whole. When Mace says, "I think it's time we inform the Senate that our ability to use the Force is diminished," and Yoda says, "Only the Dark Lord of the Sith knows of our weakness. If informed, the Senate is; multiply our adversaries will." I find that fascinating because that's exactly what happens. <laughs> I mm-hmm. think that, like the Dark Lord of the Sith, if if only the Dark Lord of the Sith knows of their weakness. It's funny because the Senate is the Dark Lord of the Sith, so yeah. it's really like jokes on you. Yeah, and <laughs> I think that it's when you when you write it all out, you're like, oh my god, Yoda. Yeah. You know? But what would it have looked like if that was discussed? And I think you brought up like it's crazy that there's no, I don't know, special care for someone like Anakin. But I do think that the one of the major downfalls of the Jedi and perhaps. And is like a huge theme throughout the saga is a lack of communication between major parties, mm-hmm. and if only people had communicated, <laughs> then maybe the tragedy of the prequels wouldn't have happened. If even if like Anakin had told Obi Wan about Padme rather than you know completely shut down Padme when um, she brought that up in the beginning of the Revenge of the Sith, or you know, no one. You even have like Padme trying to break through that communication barrier of being like, "I think Count Dooku is behind it," and them not <laughs> listening. And it's like it's it's this really so interesting nice. like tug and pull. I think of people trying to break through this communications barrier. It's ironic now that I think about it because there is actually a communications barrier, a physical barrier that oh goes around Naboo in the Phantom. Menace. Where <laughs> anyway, it starts. Yeah, and that's where it all starts. Wow, that's actually God. really interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge fracture throughout the entire saga. It's a fracture for Luke. He doesn't know anything about his family or lineage or anything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's even a ripple effect through the sequel trilogy where perhaps even Kylo Ren's own downfall is that his parents didn't even communicate with him about their own interests and mm-hmm. their own past And then... Ray personally isn't communicating with herself to accept who she is. Mm -hmm. And it's all this, this like this breaking. And I don't know. I think that Yoda is part of that and complicit in it. And perhaps uh, in, in a lot of ways, if, if that communication issue comes from the top down in a lot of ways, Yoda can represent the top of the Jedi council. He's a grand master. He's like 800 years old, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I think it's all kind of fascinating.
1: Yeah, it is. It. Uh, I guess the the other word for communication here would be concealment. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> if we were a YouTube channel, I'd say, we had an episode all about concealment. Click in the link in the description. <laughs>
0: uh, you can click right here. This box will appear right in front of my hand.
1: <laughs> right here. Okay. Concealment. Click it.
0: Um, yeah.
1: And don't forget to, to ring the notification bell. Oh, gosh. <laughs> really good we never became YouTubers. Yes. It's funny because I remember when we did our concealment episode being like, this is so freaking important. <laughs> <laughs> and it is because you're right. It's there. And I think you're right. Like Yoda, I think it's, Yoda is the – Yoda in a way represent is so representative of the Jedi Order for all of its – flaws and good intentions and i think that's kind of the crux that i've come to with yoda uh, at least partway through this series that could change of seeing him as both he he is neither complete like he he's complicit in all of the good and bad things that have come out of the jedi mm-hmm. and i think that sometimes in my head i want to be like well the jedi were so wrong in how they did things and ergo Yoda as the head of the Jedi, he was very wrong. Or like, the Jedi were peacekeepers and they were very good. Erico, Yoda was very good. But they're both. And <laughs> I think... I think I was still kind of holding on to my 13-year-old interpretation of that. And it's been difficult to, like, merge those, which is funny because, like, that's what I do with the Skywalkers. It's automatic (laughs) for me. (laughs) Um, I think that's kind of funny the way that you respond to certain characters um, and how your opinions on them can change over time. But yeah, that communication and that concealment. And I do think of Yoda as the head of the Jedi Order and represent, like, he is the Grand Master. And he – I see him as the Oracle. Like, I feel like he just spends uh, – Like, if we were just to follow Yoda personally throughout the second trilogy, he would just be increasingly spending more and more time in his meditation chamber trying to figure out what the F is going to be happening. Yeah. And and the thing is he can't. And he is just – I mean, you think about how um, – how scary that must be. You know, if you think about what the Jedi Order looked like when Yoda was, like, a cool 350 years old. (laughs) And I wonder, too, if if he's trying to have this perspective of, like, all of these other people around me, their lifespans are so short. Like, they don't have this big picture like I do. Mm
0: -hmm. He's like,
1: what we're going through right now is just a blip. It's just a blip in the timeline. And it's all, like, history will work itself out even though we're in the present right now. And what other kinds of things he's gone through in his own lifetime. But the difference, of course, is that this isn't just a blip. Like, this is catastrophic. And even though that catastrophe is relatively compressed into our, like, 80-year time period that we have the films, it's completely devastating in that it completely dismantled this entire order that Yoda has presumably been a part of for almost a millennia. Mm -hmm. And maybe he had misdirection there. But then, you know, if you think about him increasing all of this time in his meditation chamber trying to figure out what's going on because he is the Oracle, he is the Grand Master, he's supposed to have the answers. And instead of getting answers, he's just getting more and more darkness and more and more closed off from the Force like we see Luke later on. I mean, God, that would just be (laughs) – that would be so horrifying to be losing – to be feeling that that connection is diminishing when it's been there your whole life.
0: Yeah. And I, uh, I, this should probably be brought up in the original trilogy section, section, but I think that you bring up an interesting point that if Yoda was thinking that this was all part of history and it will pass, then he is perhaps dwelling in the past when Yoda Mm -hmm. in the original trilogy is very much like your mind needs to be focused on the present, everything Mm -hmm. in the present you can't be worried about what the future is what the past is anything like that. Yeah. And I wonder if that's a self-correction from what he was like in the prequel trilogy where mm. he was like everything will pass because yeah. I've been through so much.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: I mean, I don't know. I think that that's probably that that line of thinking has probably been disproved throughout animation and other external material with Yoda, but I do think that if we're taking just the films at face value and what they present to us i think that that's a very interesting theory and could go back to well perhaps yoda does change a little bit more than you would originally thought in Mm -hmm. (laughs) from the prequels to the original trilogy
1: yeah the thing i um like to remember now as i'm watching these is that all of this is happening in the second trilogy, and there's this whole freaking archive of dark side materials just sitting underneath the Jedi Temple, and no one's doing anything about it. <laughs> and that's remind
0: everyone where that is mentioned. That is
1: in my favorite thing ever this year so far, which has been Dooku Jedi Lost, which is the audiobook by Kevin Scott, which they announced is getting a print release, which I cannot wait for. Uh
0: Yeah, and I I do wonder if, like, as we push into a discussion of whether or not dark side artifacts are, like, possessed, like, did that assist in clouding the dark side? I'm sure we've talked about this before.
1: Yeah, or if all that – like, what if Palpatine is just, like, harnessing all that energy that's sitting underneath the Jedi Temple and it's just, like, basically creating this, like, shield of darkness that at its core is sitting underneath the Jedi Temple –
0: so fascinating and really interesting, honestly. If we could go to the end of where we see Yoda in Revenge of the Sith, the last part of you know him as <laughs> digital Yoda in the prequels, I think that, like I mentioned in the beginning of this our prequel discussion, I think that it was pretty important for Yoda to have to face down ultimate evil and Palpatine at the very end here and fail. I think he needed to fail obviously but I I think that it I don't know I think there's something there about like him being so clouded by the dark side and that clouding was caused by Palpatine and then finally being able to meet him head on mm-hmm. and there's all these shots too of like him like You know, just the eyes of Yoda getting really close to him. And I think that that kind of speaks to this message of finally Yoda is able to kind of rise above the fact that, you know, the dark side, Palpatine had clouded everything for so long. And now he's staring him in the face. That is pretty, um, I don't know, I think it comes, I wouldn't say full circle, but it does truly come to a head in Revenge of the Sith.
1: Yeah, yeah, I really like that The way you talked about that of facing true evil and facing the thing that has confounded him for twenty years, at least, um, in the within the within the second trilogy, anyway. And finally, the way you talked about though, you're like confront his failure of Mm -hmm. not being able to defeat Palpatine, which of course is what he tells Luke in the Last Jedi, Mm -hmm. learn from your failure. And we'll talk about that more when we get to the part three of the sequ- the the third trilogy. God. Um I'm gonna get on this train, Charlene. <laughs> All right. I'll try in the next part to do that. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Uh but yeah, I I just think that the more I think about Yoda in the second trilogy, the more I see him with sadness and isolation. Uh-huh. And for me, that just kind of adds to the tragedy of the second. It's so
0: ironic that you see him in isolation in the prequels when he is surrounded by you know hundreds of Jedi. When in the original trilogy, he's completely isolated. Only yeah, but on the,
1: yeah, it's like you you know that you can I know alone <laughs> oh, <wow>. yeah. <laughs> in a room, a crowded room. Mm-hmm. And I think like he, the thing that he's that he's seeing from the force is just so heartbreaking and he's not really telling anyone about it. He's mm-hmm. share he's carrying that bird. I mean, I think he, he clearly tells people in the council, but does he tell everyone? Is it just Mace? What exactly is he telling them? Um, I think Yoda, I think Yoda probably knows a lot more than he shares, but I think he also doesn't share it because there is so much he doesn't know if mm-hmm. that, makes any sense at all and that scares the bejesus out of him uh, and he's trying to rationalize that he's trying to figure it out and he runs out of time and the dark side wins mm-hmm. uh, I see him as very hesitant and isolated because he doesn't know what's going on and this is the first time he's ever felt like that and like I said just kind of thinking about him tracking that loss of connection to the force throughout however long it's been going on had to be really scary, and I wonder if it increased, like it, like it became more and more distant the closer we got to *Revenge of the Sith*, or, or what that felt like. But I feel like he probably kept a lot to himself, um, out of fear and probably out of feeling responsible that he should keep that burden to himself until he absolutely had to share it, and then by that point it was too late.
0: Mm-hmm. Sad Yoda. <laughs> sad Yoda is sad.
1: Sad Yoda is very sad. And then he just loses it all and goes goes to Dagba and is like, you know what? I'm out.
0: <laughs> it's, it's sad. I think another, like, a good Yoda moment is, this isn't a good Yoda moment, but I think it's a sad Yoda moment when Padme dies mm. and Obi-Wan's in the room and Yoda's outside of the room and he kind of, like... I I assume this is me kind of projecting that he kind of feels this like presence leave and he knows that she died and um, Obi-Wan's in there and he has this like sad look. And I just feel like at the end there's a sense of defeat, but of course at the end of Revenge of the Sith, there's that sense of hope with him, especially because he's like, I can bring back this old friend, Obi-Wan, like I've learned to communicate with him.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: I think that that's a, push forward in a lot of ways in the it's it's just kind of fascinating and I'm so eager to talk about those episodes in the Clone Wars and the Lost Missions of when he really truly does learn how to communicate with um, Qui-Gon but in this moment in the film when he's expressing the joy to Obi-Wan about that I think that they're both in perhaps their most isolated state and having that communication with the Force is so representative of being able to break through that dark side cloud. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, even at the like the actual darkest point mm-hmm. in the story. Yeah. Okay, well, is there anything we've left out of Second Trilogy Yoda?
0: Absolutely. I know we have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
0: But I, uh, well, we have a lot of time to talk more about even because we'll be talking a lot about the Clone Wars mm-hmm. um, in the next episode I think that we'll, we'll revisit this kind of part of Yoda in the prequel yeah. era so I'm ready to move on Size matters not Look at me Does me by my size do you hmm? hmm
1: And where you should not For my ally is the Force and the powerful ally it is Life creates it, makes it grow, its energy surrounds us combines binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter, you must
0: feel the force around you, here between you, me, the tree,
1: the rock, everywhere, yes, even between Welcome to part two, where we're talking all about Yoda in the original trilogy. So, kind of repeating our question from part one uh, Can we define Yoda throughout
0: the original trilogy in two or three words? Do you want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. So, honestly, after our conversation in the last part, mine might have to be refined, but we can go through them anyway. Um, I would say Yoda in the original trilogy is wacky, he's focused, and he's wise. And I think that those are kind of boring. I say wacky because his outward appearance is pretty wacky in the beginning, and I still think he's, like in general, a wacky dude living alone on Dagobah. Um, Aren't we all? <laughs> I might amend Determined after our conversation, just based off of the fact that I think that his determination I don't know I thought I I wrote down determined with the thought in mind that he is in hiding from the Empire and that's his like main s- source of determination and then his, his focus shifts when he has to train Luke and that's its own set of determined goals but I don't know I think that I I would probably stricken that from the um From this list. But wise. I mean come on. He's wise.
1: (laughs) Yeah I do think Yoda is wise. I still think I would give him. The description of hesitant. Mm -hmm. And a little bit doubtful too. But definitely wise. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think like I said at the top of the show. I think that. Original trilogy Yoda. Is so interesting to me. (laughs) And it's like. Like I said, I still haven't come to a straight conclusion on how I feel about it. So I'm excited to talk about it and hear your thoughts on it. <laughs> when do we first see Yoda? Empire Strikes Back. And he's wacky. Yeah. Super wacky. <laughs> like I said, coming from Revenge of the Sith, you watch A New Hope and then you pump on Empire Strikes Back and you're like, What <laughs>
0: is going on? <laughs> I I think it makes it better. I think that you think it makes it more confusing, but to me, I think that's the whole point.
1: But it's but it's not though, <laughs> <laughs> like with the way that Star Wars was made. That's not like the you lose the surprise that he's the Jedi Master. Like that's the whole yeah thing yeah for
0: sure for back. sure.
1: And I think you you had this like, prior knowledge of who he was already by the time he started, like, actually watching Star Wars, like, seriously watching it, whereas I did not. I don't I don't remember. I'm sure I did, but I don't remember, like, knowing that this was how Yoda – like, I, I could recognize Yoda before I saw Star Wars, but I definitely didn't know at all what he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like, I just still think it's, it, it's like, ridiculous because I'm watching him, like, he's the Jedi, Matt, like – Luke, that's, that's Yoda. <laughs> like to, trying to get Luke to get it. <laughs> and he's just not. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then I, you know, I think about our discussion about the development of Yoda and how they wanted to make him this, you know, eight foot tall Moses kind of character, this like really tall creature, and how it would have been completely different uh, vibe. And I think we talked about how Luke would have been more scared if Mm -hmm. that, when he first saw Yoda, if that's how he had looked, as opposed to now where he's just annoyed and irritated. But I do think, I think probably my favorite part of Wacky Yoda, though, is him and R2. Because R2's like, good lord, like, (laughs) you again. (laughs) When he sees Yoda, and he's like, what has happened to you, dude?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. R2's like, dude, like, Yoda, you remember
1: me, right? (laughs) Sometimes
0: (laughs) I wonder if R2 even just kind of has like a passing. Does he really, does he even, I don't know, how many times have R2 and Yoda cross paths? A lot? I
1: feel like yes.
0: I feel like probably yes, but I do wonder like how many people does R2 meet where he like kind of serves a function? I'm like, what kind of function has he ever served for Yoda? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I think I want to write a one shot about like Luke asleep and Yoda and R2 catching up. <laughs> okay, do it. <laughs> How did you get here? Yoda and R2's like, you really got to work on that swamp situation like <laughs> I fell in
0: it. <laughs> oh man. I feel like I feel like there's this really interesting thing happening in Empire Strikes Back though, where you have Yoda doling out this like amazing wisdom like quotable lines for centuries right we're going to be talking about all (laughs) those conversations forever because they're like honestly some of the best bits of star wars and we talked about this in our last episode but like to me some of the most emotional star wars including the musical theme and everything Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and then you have this like kind of largely incorrect understanding of human beings um, and what they will do when their friends are in danger that is present again when Luke has a vision of Leia and Han being captured and he knows exactly where they are and wants to run to go save them and Yoda and Ben are both like don't go can't go stop Um, (laughs) and I think that it's really interesting though because when you come off the prequel trilogy it's like okay well this already happened before like here's Yoda again being like can't really do anything about it you just gotta let go you know and to me i'm like uh, i back to your theory about like does yoda even change that much i i always thought he did but now i'm kind of like i'm kind of doubting that because i'm like he doesn't really because he doesn't really understand that missing piece of compassion that luke truly represents it's almost like he doesn't understand
1: the one-on-one compassion, yeah, like, the direct compassion, because Yoda absolutely understands compassion for others. Yes, it's and a central always-
0: part of part of a Jedi's life. Anakin says yeah. that in Attack of the Clones. You're so right.
1: He keeps them. He keeps everyone at arm's length, though. He doesn't have a personal connection
0: mm-hmm.
1: to, like, in a way, make that compassion mean something. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how to describe that. Uh, and I'm sorry,
0: I interrupted you, so... No, 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 I think you're so right. I think that, like, I think that it's a real statement to the fact that story-wise, the prequel trilogy deals with this idea of, you know, no attachments, can't have, cannot make any attachments, yet you're supposed to have this, like, idea of brotherhood and, um, like, a a Jedi Academy, and how can you have, how can you, like, keep... I don't know. How can you be friends with people and have them as a master Padawan relationship and be successful in that without forming any form of attachments and how, and like what you said, like keeping people at arm's length in terms of compassion, that's exactly what the Jedi used to do. And it it was ultimately their downfall, I think because of the lack of communication. And to me, here's another example of Yoda, not really understanding what it is like to feel deeply about the people that you care about, and especially in this case where it's you know Luke's like they're my friends I got to help them, mm-hmm. and that that emotion is exactly a Jedi's emotion. But there's something it's there's something about Yoda and his old Jedi ways that are just not accepting that.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of that perfect scene in Clone Wars, it's like season two or something, uh, the Geonosis battle with Ahsoka and Barris, where they get buried. Yeah. And, you know, Anakin's like, we got to go after them. And Luminara is like, you know, uh, what is she? She says it so perfectly. She's like, unlike you, Master Skywalker, I'm prepared to let my Padawan go. Like, she fulfilled her mission, she did her duty, and now I have to say goodbye.
0: Uh-huh. Anakin's
1: like, what? no no, no. <laughs> he's
0: like great for you i'm going for zoka yeah and of course we're on anakin's side at that point right we're like yeah, yeah. You freaking save your padawan <laughs> <For a Soka. laughs> yeah, because anakin a human being understands like churning emotions yeah. and what it's like to feel compassion for your padawan in this master apprentice relationship Within- and of course that's like obviously it's hard to be like Anakin's great because he's not. He made no mistakes. <laughs> but I think those mistakes are compounded by the Jedi's own mistakes. Well, it's interesting when you
1: we talk I talk a lot about Ahsoka as kind of actually this like perfect Jedi in a way, because she that in that same episode when her and Barriss are discussing their situation and, and even in future situations with see of Ahsoka, she has utmost confidence that Anakin is coming for her. And mm-hmm. she's right, he is coming for her. And Barris is like, Well, our masters have left. <laughs> and Ahsoka's like, maybe yours has, but mine has not. <laughs> and she, even though Ahsoka has been brought up in the same culture and the same molding or manipulation that Barris has been, she has been changed by Anakin to accept and reciprocate that direct compassion. And it made her, like, so much stronger and wiser for it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, when she is off on her own and she is able to save others. I don't know. I just, I think, when you think about Ahsoka, particularly growing up in that world, like, in the quote-unquote right way. But she is so changed by Anakin. But she's not... That cha- like she obviously doesn't follow the dark side mm-hmm. like him and she we talk a lot about how Ahsoka represents like what the decision that Anakin should have made mm-hmm. um, like Anakin actually should have followed Ahsoka's path and yeah Yoda just doesn't doesn't have that I do like though to keep going on my Annie Soka feels um, how when Anna- Yoda is talking to Obi Wan he's like oh man he's too reckless talking about Luke and that's totally what Anakin says about Ahsoka. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You're too reckless, little one. You never would have made it as Obi-Wan's pet one. It's really cute when Anakin says it, but with Yoda, <laughs> it was kind of funny.
0: <laughs> Poor Luke. <laughs> I know. So true. Back to the whole fact that Yoda, and honestly, Obi-Wan Kenobi's misunderstanding of what it's like to feel compassion for your family, your found family. I mean that's kind of a huge statement because I do think that Obi Wan feels compassion for his found family, but um, Obi Wan is a whole other episode. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I don't. I don't think Yoda really fully understands it because we've given we've been given no reason for him to to for us to think that. Um, I I think that by Ben and Yoda pushing Luke to confront Vader rather than and and to kill him ultimately like his mission they think that Luke is going to be trained to kill Vader and stomp out the ultimate evil in the galaxy that they believe is Vader and I guess Palpatine in turn and i think that that's really interesting because obviously there's another way than just like ruthless killing and that's the missing piece and that's the that's everything that Yoda has missed by being a Jedi for on the council for 800 plus years, right? Mm-hmm. Give or take. And, yeah, give or take. And I think that it's, it's just really interesting when you start to break it down because Yoda and Obi-Wan both m- misunderstand the power of Luke Skywalker. And I think that sounds like really like cartoony, but I think they really truly misunderstand the power of compassion, like true compassion, not arm's length, but... Mm-hmm. And I think it's because they've never, like, let themselves – I shouldn't say they because I think Obi-Wan has. But I don't – I think that Yoda has never really let himself be anything different than what he has been taught for so many years.
1: Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And and this is my question that I, like, just need to discuss. because <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves Yoda and – I often, like, put myself out there as, like, well, I'm one of those people that doesn't, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Yoda has a lot of good qualities that we discussed in here and everything like that. But what I, what I don't... I guess what I'm trying to figure out is Yoda spends most of Empire Strikes Back routinely concealing information from Luke and purposefully hiding the truth from him. Mm-hmm. So why is he so beloved when he spends a lot of the film... Inhibiting Luke in a way Even as he is training him and telling him All these good things He's leaving out some really important details <laughs> mm-hmm. And like you said he's he's He thinks that the way Through this is to get rid of Vader by killing him and by sending His son to kill him Without telling his son that that's His father Why is Yoda so Beloved from like And it was immediate after Empire Strikes Back You know everyone loves Yoda why
0: I really do think it's the cuteness factor <laughs> but I know it's I feel like we've spent so much time talking about the cuteness factor but it's true I mean his house is cute everything about him is cute he's funny yeah. he this movie empire strikes back is pretty dark it's pretty long it's kind of a all your faves are separated and here comes like a new character who you know, speaks wisdom that's confusing and intriguing and Luke seems to love it. And I think that you are totally right. I do think it's a little confounding, but I think that maybe without even recognizing it, the audience was tapping into something that makes characters great. And that is complication where Mm -hmm. you can have, a character who is spouting wisdom about luminous beings and who we are and what the force does for us that resonates beyond just star Wars itself, but also in the seats of the audience, you're like, wow, what a beautiful statement on, you know, the way the world works. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really powerful. And that's obviously something that people responded to. And I respond to it. You respond to it. We all respond to it. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that I, I think that by Yoda having flaws, I think that you don't have to like a character. I don't know. I don't know. I think the flaws make one great, you know. And yeah, maybe that's what it is. That I don't think that people look at Yoda in the original trilogy and say, "Oh, he's wrong. Oh, he's flawed." But I do think that that's what's going on.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Um, of course, we love flawed characters. I, a Ben Solo fan.
0: I, unknown (laughs) Raylo.
1: Like flawed characters. Uh, Yeah, but yeah, it's because people don't often talk about the flaws with Yoda. It's very, uh, it's all about these great things that he said. And I think you actually hit the nail on the head. Um, And. It's good because we've never actually really discussed it before, honestly, about how a lot of the things that we love about Yoda is because we take so much of what he says and really apply it to our lives. Mm -hmm. We More than any other character, I feel like Yoda's philosophy and his way of thinking is brought so much into the real world and and interpreted – almost more in the real world than it is within the Star Wars world. Yeah. (laughs) Because when you actually start looking at it within the context of the story, that's why we're like, oh well, they teach compassion, but they're not actually having compassion for the people closest to them. And that's a problem. And we're looking at it all within the story. But like you said, when, you know, when Yoda says things like, George or not, there is no try and it's or, you know, luminous beings are we. And it's like, oh, that's like a statement on humanity. And like I'm gonna pull that out of the screen and take it with me Mm -hmm. in my life. And I think I think you're right. That is so much of why Yoda is so ingrained in our culture as a good character. He is a good character, um, but I mean like morally good. Not like he's a well written character. Good with a capital G. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like so many semantics. Getting lost in my semantics. But yeah, that's always, and I think perhaps as someone who ne- who didn't experience it that way, and that's a personal thing because there are a lot of people who have good responses to Yoda who saw Star Wars the same way I did. Um, But I, I never felt like I took those necessarily into the real world with me. I think Mm -hmm. I was always kind of looking at Yoda within the context of the films. And I was like, he's, he's lying here. (laughs) What, (laughs) what is this obsession? You know what I mean? Because when you do look at it just within the story, There are a lot of flaws there, and yes, that makes for a good character. But for me, I wasn't seeing that. um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like it wasn't matching (laughs) the response to what was happening in the story for me. But I think I think you're absolutely right, Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense. So thanks for taking
0: <laughs> You're welcome. I think that there's something really also funny, and I talked about this in the prequel section, but about how Yoda will say something and then it'll actually apply to him even though it shouldn't apply to him. And I think that... There's plenty of examples, basically every line where I'm like, <laughs> yeah, maybe you should take that advice yourself, Yoda. And I feel like that's yeah, honestly that. relatable in your own life. Like, don't you know someone who's given you advice and you're like, yeah, but you do that all the time. Like, you need to take that advice. You need to take your own advice. Yeah. yeah. And I, I I, don't think that that's like, <laughs> I don't think that's George Lucas's intention with Yoda. Maybe it wasn't in his intention in the prequels. But I don't think that was his intention in the original trilogy Um, about <laughs> that kind of type of person, mm-hmm. but I do think it's you could look at it that way. I think that to your point again, Yoda in a way like we always talk about it with the Clone Wars when there's that quote, um, the quote that appears before the episode. I used to always say it was a Georgeism, but because it, it, it they all came from George Lucas, he like wrote them all down. <laughs> But I think that people on the set and, you know, creators talk about it as like the fortune cookie. And I think in a weird way, Yoda is our fortune cookie where it's like you can take this lesson from, you know, the situation, what like you can watch just like in the Clone Wars, you can watch this episode with this theme in mind, or you can't. And you can think about how, you know, that certain piece of advice relates to you in real life, which I think Mm -hmm. is what we were talking about before.
1: Yeah. And what's funny, too, is that the fortune cookie is always followed by the voice of war, Admiral and a.k.a. Tom Kane, who also plays Yoda in the Clone Wars. Just a mm. weird train there. <laughs> okay, so one thing I need to talk about, which I'm not really even sure if this fits in our discussion of Yoda, but it's just something I noticed on our um, when I was watching Empire Strikes Back that I need to talk about, And this is our first episode since, so this is where we're talking about it. Uh, But, okay, the scene where Obi-Wan and Yoda and Luke is leaving, right? And he's like, I got to go. I'll be back. Don't worry. And Yoda's like, okay, sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Obi-Wan holds up his hands, you know, both hands. He's like, all right. (laughs) All right. (laughs) <laughs> really funny yeah scene. i
0: love that he's like don't go <laughs> <laughs> with his hands out <laughs> like that it's so strange like, <laughs> in that <direction>. yeah. uh, <laughs> that's that's like the last shot at the end of a
1: long day <laughs> yeah it really is but that scene where yoda is standing there and you see the tail lights basically of luke's x-wing shift across yoda's face as he flies off and obi-wan says that boy's our only hope and the light on Yoda's face is pure white light. And then it shifts to dramatic red. And he goes, No, there is another. And it's this amazing lighting scene. And I was watching it and I was like, oh my God. I was like, that is the exact same lighting shift that we see with Kylo in The Force Awakens when he kills Han. We go from the light to the dramatic red. And Luke or yoda saying there is another and his face is covered in red and then we see kylo and his face is covered in red and and like for me this is like my crazy brain working i'm like okay <laughs> there is another he's talking about leia and Strikes back but you could also like once the trilogy is finished if it's going the way that i think it's going it could also be referring to kylo as well and the fact that their faces are like that lighting change is so dramatic and it's so similar. I think, again, it's one of those things that you have to pay attention to and be like, okay, did J.J. Abrams do this purposefully? What is the meaning behind that? Because Luke meeting Vader is the catalyst for Vader's redemption because he is, he is introduced to that compassion that will be coming from his son. For me... Han's death has always been the catalyst for Kylo's redemption, at least, again, if things are going the way I think they are. And I don't know. I just, that coincidence kind of hit me over the head, how similar those scenes are. And I was like, what's going on here?
0: And something I need to think more about, but I just need to share it here on the show. (laughs) I think that we can take a step back from it and talk a little bit about, like, the lighting itself. So you say that it goes from white to red. And that's exactly what happens in The Force Awakens. And I think in that moment when just to kind of define what you're saying a little bit more, I, I think really. in that moment Yoda is saying something that we know as an audience seeing Return of the Jedi to be hopeful. Like, oh, he's our last hope. No, there is another. And I think in that that moment, I don't I wasn't alive to see this in the movie theater, but I I would wonder if I'd be like, "Oh, what?" because the lighting is telling you something else than what is Ooh. actually happening. Yeah. Because that is a hopeful moment where you know, if if Luke can't save Vader or if Luke can't kill Vader, that's what they're saying right there. Um then perhaps Leia can. And I I think that it's it's more than that. It's more than just the act of killing Darth Vader. It's that there's another Skywalker and we learn that in the next episode, right? That's Yoda's last line, you know? Um, But I do think that if you say that this line is presented as unhopeful and it's shrouded in red and that's kind of like what the, what's happening signaling to the audience, then that's exactly what's happening in the force awakens when everything gets dark in that darkest moment it's red, you know, as long as we still have light, we still got a chance um, in the dark and the, the, the red overshadows Kylo Ren's face. And that's when he kills Han Solo. And I feel like in both these moments, the signal is perhaps that this is not a hopeful moment that all is lost here. But what you're mm-hmm. saying is that perhaps that both of that, that, that lighting signal in, the Force Awakens isn't as dark as we assumed because of the fact that it is hopeful that <laughs> Leia is the other Skywalker in presented in uh, Empire Strikes Back.
1: Yes. Yes. And I think that, like you were saying, that that, that lighting signal can be misleading.
0: hmm That's,
1: but, yes. Yeah, but also true because they do have to go through a lot of darkness Yep. As well to get to that happy ending. And it, it, I think it's interesting because it's one of those things where it's like once the saga is complete in January, we could look back on this scene from Yoda and be like, oh, well, yes, clearly in 1980 he's talking about Leia. But now the story as a whole, you could interpret him as talking about Kylo.
0: He could be talking about Ray too. Like, we have no idea. Yeah. Like, I think that we can look back at all these moments and think. It's just funny because during this conversation, we've been recording for like an hour and a half now. I feel like so often, and I'm just going to comment about this, that Star Wars is like, oh, everything is super black and white. Like, they make it really clear what everything is you know what the signals are and like who's dark and who's light and everything but I think through our conversations and other people talking about Star Wars it's very clear that Star Wars is way more complicated than just black and white Star Wars is pretty gray Mm -hmm. yeah it's super nuanced and I think that it presents itself as black and white but when you like look a little closer into the looking glass I think that it gets a little bit more murky and complicated and this is just a great that's a great observation.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like the um, the lighting cue when Luke thinks about killing Ben Solo in The Last Jedi 2. It's green over a space. And green we associate with good mm-hmm. in Star Wars. But in that moment, his action is, in Ben's eyes anyway, unforgivable. Yep. Um, so the lighting is misleading mm-hmm. for everyone. Okay. <laughs> So the last kind of big thing, actually two last things about Yoda in the original trilogy. Um, Again, talking about him now within the context of the story itself. Uh, This great line that he says in both Empire and Return of the Jedi, once you start down the dark side, forever will it dominate your destiny. Is this true?
0: No. (laughs) No, it's not true. I think that it, It's interesting because I think that it will always be part of your destiny, but it won't dominate it. You ultimately have that final choice. And that's all that Star Wars is about. And that's what tells us that it's never too late to change. And Yoda even learns that lesson himself, right? I think that that's Mm -hmm. what we're going to get to next is, you know, the fact that he mentioned this twice is really interesting. And I also think that people take this as gospel, but that's definitely not what the story is telling you Mm -hmm. at all. Is that when you're – you're no one is born evil, no one is born good. I think that you always have to choose these paths. And I think that's what Star Wars is telling us. At least that's my interpretation.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, again, this was me watching and, and wondering like, why do we like him? Uh, <laughs> because simply, Luke has to just prove adding, him wrong. Yeah, it's just adding to that complication like you were talking about. Um Yeah, and and the the interesting one, too, that I think I always forget Yoda says this, is right before literally one of his parting shots is, do not underestimate the Emperor, or you'll suffer the same fate as your father. (laughs) Again, why didn't we see this coming? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, uh, And thinking about this in context of The Last Jedi and of The Force Awakens, really, it's like, did this happen to Luke? Is this going to be something we can look back on again in 2020 and say, Luke did underestimate the Emperor. He thought it was done. He thought the story was over. He was dead and he wasn't. And he suffered the same fate as your father. What was that same fate? Okay, Vader's fate was turning to the dark side. Luke obviously doesn't turn to the dark side. But Vader becomes trapped and isolated in his solitude. And in a way that happens – not in a way. That does happen to Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the- I just, yeah, I think it's like I I forgot that Yoda says this. Do not underestimate the emperor. (laughs) And we all did.
0: (laughs) Just another example of Yoda just like serving the truth. But then himself and really not a lot of people around him are taking the advice to heart.
1: Yeah. Because they don't, this is something that I think at this point in his life and at the end of his life and then into his afterlife, Yoda finally seeing the bigger picture. Uh-huh. And I think maybe he thought he saw the bigger picture in the second trilogy timeline because he was, you know, mm-hmm. 800 years old. Mm-hmm. And he was like, these fools are only 60 years old. What do they know? Coyote Monday's barely pushing 50. He knows nothing. <laughs> and he thought he had the bigger picture and he didn't. But then by the time he gets to Last Jedi, it's like, oh, now I see.
0: <laughs> yep. And
1: it makes sense.
0: Yeah. I think that to revisit my kind of dumb question of, is Yoda on a hero's journey? And I, the answer is still no, but I do think that it's it's important to understand Yoda's form and function in the story. And often I think that we're doing this whole episode all about Yoda and everything, but I think that Yoda has to exist to further Luke's story. We mentioned this in our first episode about this, yes. but um, I think that you, back to your question of like, why does everyone like Yoda? He's wrong. Well, the point is Luke has to prove him wrong. And in order for him to like kind of rise above that mentorship, um and Luke himself is who I'm referring to. I think that that's crucial to his journey to be a true hero and to like understand his own truth and who he is as a person, rather than like all this advice from everyone around him, you know?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Like what is his function in the story? And his function is the in the story is to emphasize more that Luke is the outlier and Luke is the one who is going to save the day. Yep. But Luke is the one who's on the hero's journey and he's the hero here.
0: So I'm going to r- revise what I said in the beginning of the episode about how much Yoda changes. And I think that Yoda does grow and change in minute ways from the second trilogy to the first trilogy.
1: Wow, you did it. One I went whole there. Time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Go on. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think that, I think that you're right about, like, I I don't know, in my head, perhaps because of the visual shift, that Yoda shifted a lot in his priorities and who he was. But I think that he, I don't know, I don't think he changes that much (laughs) until the (laughs) sequel, which we can talk about in the next section. Yes. So are we ready to move on to part three? Yes. We have what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. Okay, so welcome to part three, where we're going to be talking about the sequel trilogy. So like we did in the past two parts, how can we define Yoda's role in the sequel trilogy in two or three words? Caitlin, why don't you start?
1: Favorite. Just a personal. (laughs) It's a little biased. (laughs) A little biased. My whole life as a Star Wars fan is a little biased. (laughs) We are all a little biased. True. If not a lot. Uh, But as far as his character, I would say learned. (laughs) And I don't know, happy?
0: Interesting. Happy is an interesting word that... It's not really used often to describe any, any- character <laughs> in Star Wars.
1: That's like happy question mark. Actually, <laughs> let me revise it.
0: What is the what emotion is- of happy?
1: <laughs> Does anyone experience joy?
0: <laughs> no. no. You know
1: what? We're getting there. I know we
0: are. We have to get there. Like
1: We're pushing the stone up the hill. Yep. We're getting there. Uh, Let me revise that word, though, from happy question mark to comfortable. Mm, That's good. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I would say mine would be evolved. Better. Reasoned. Mm. And also wacky. I said wacky in the original trilogy one as well. I think wacky applies here as well, but in a different way. He's wacky.
1: But I think it's funny, Everyone talking about Yoda is wacky, is wacky, Yoda is wacky for literally, like, four whole minutes out of his entire screen time. I know. Everyone's
0: like, he's just so wacky. <laughs> I think it's because, like, the expectation that he's a green alien who is doling out this, like, amazing advice. I think that that in itself is wacky. <laughs> yeah, the whole concept of Yoda is, is wacky. wacky. I'll give you that. Exactly. Uh, but... Same. But I think that you and I are both hitting on something like you said learned. I'm going to say learned. And then...
1: I was going to say learned, but I didn't want to be that person. You got who said, like super self conscious. It's learned. I did. I, I did. I was like, I'm going to be that person who says learned. And you were like, I'm Charlotte, learned.
0: <laughs> I am that person. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that he is totally evolved. And I think that this is, like, a huge character shift for him. And I think that we're talking generally about only The Last Jedi. I think that Yoda does have a single appearance in The Force Awakens by saying his line from Empire Strikes Back about the the Force, he says. Like, I think it's kind of ingrained in all of our brains. Who have watched that Force Back scene, like, 500 times. Who among us has not? And it's- His 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 words. He's like an energy, energy, energy. Like we can all hear it, right? Just a word, word. energy, energy, energy. energy. It surrounds us, binds us. Like you can hear it in the background (laughs) of of I don't know. I kind of hear it when I close my eyes. I've watched it so many times.
1: (laughs) No wonder you have insomnia. <laughs>
0: because of race force back. We still don't know that one scene. That's what I say. I wake up every morning, I'm like, that one scene with the Knights of Ren. That's all we need.
1: <laughs> Vision of you and bed your eyes wide open. You would you
0: totally see this happening, right? Like energy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> like why can't I go to sleep? Energy, energy.
0: <laughs> yep. And then it's I hear kind of- Luke being like, "No!" in the background. Come on, it's what a horrible internal sound. <laughs> 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 oh
1: my god, I'm crying. Um, it's kind of like <laughs> whenever I get in the shower, I always hear sushi- <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> this oil bath. Every time I get in the show. I
0: know, I know the curse. <laughs> 3PO haunts you
1: <laughs> just like apparently Yoda haunts you. Yep,
0: it's not oh, Yoda; God. it's the Force Back itself. The, the <laughs> unexplained nature of the mystery box that is the Force Back. <laughs> to be specific, <laughs> to be specific, and then also Yoda, who actually has like a pretty like clear line, I think, in the Force Back. Anyway, I think that. Yoda in The Last Jedi can be discussed. I don't think I can get enough of discussing his scene in The Last Jedi. So good. It's so good. It's, <laughs> it's,
1: it's funny because when you if, if you were brave to go back to our Last Jedi immediate reaction episode Oh boy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Such a ridiculous episode.
0: The clo- uh, uh, Just a classic quote from that episode. I think we need to talk about Raylo. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And you're like, I think we have to. I was
1: like, I think we talked about how he was, they were, I was like, they gave us shirtless Kylo Ren. I go, that was a statement. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. (laughs) Truly a statement. I stand by
0: that. You stand (laughs) by that. I stand by that entire reaction.
1: (laughs) Not only was that involved in that reaction, but that's also what we sat on the side of a highway outside a Waffle House at 2 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> discussing The Last Jedi. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, it was a crazy episode. But what I think is so funny is because what, what I love about our Last Jedi reaction is because you actually hear a lot of our hesitation about saying outright, like, I love this movie. Right when we got out of it, we're like, I need to see it again. There are some things I'm not sure I liked. But – of all things, we were actually, I think, pretty immediately, like, one, I'm sad it's not Anakin. But two, I really liked this Yoda scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't think, again, it was like that I was the last person who would have been like, oh, my God, great Yoda scene. So glad it was Yoda. <laughs> uh, but I actually was because, like, this scene, for me, it was like, this is what I've needed from Yoda, like, for him within the story for so long is pass on your failures mm-hmm. <laughs> because i felt like he had never done that and this is that change that has finally come for him for me anyway seeing his character
0: well his line the greatest teacher failure is it's just so powerful coming from him when often when you look at the saga as a whole i think that the general audience would think Oh, Yoda, he is the greatest teacher. He embodies the greatest teacher. And in all the reasons that we've said today on this podcast, maybe he's not, because he finally now understands that all of those failures that he went through are as important. I don't know. I just think it's it's so it's just so fantastic. I feel like I can unpack this line so much, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it goes back to what you were saying earlier throughout the show about him confronting the greatest evil, also his greatest failure, to not see the wolf in sheep's clothing in front of him mm-hmm. in Palpatine as Darth Sidious. And he, it's almost like he couldn't accept that failure all throughout the the second and original trilogies. And finally, when we get to the third trilogy, even though he has passed on, it's like, not get it. Yeah. You can't just and 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 to what I was talking about in the last part as well about him not really seeing the bigger picture, perhaps thinking he was and not really seeing that he was or seeing that he wasn't actually. In the sequel trilogy, he finally tells Luke like I see what you did wrong. It's what I did wrong too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we concealed information. We didn't communicate and we should have and we didn't discuss the points in our lives that we regret or the things we wish we could do differently. And he says, you know, um, weakness, folly, failure. And folly, it's like foolishness, mm-hmm. um, mistakes. So I think it's a really good word choice for folly. That encompasses a lot, I think. Um, failure, most of all, the greatest teacher failure is. And it's like finally through all of Yoda's failures, even in conjunction with his goodness and wise teachings, But his failures, he finally learned from them, saw what happened, understood the choices that led to where he was in the end of his life. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think it's just so powerful because you can you take that statement and you can apply it to Yoda and then you can apply it to what Luke is thinking and that inspiration from Yoda, that like nugget of information that passing on failure is important is the catalyst for Luke to then force project himself across the galaxy and allow Kylo Ren to fail at killing another family member. And I think that that's really important because you get... I don't know. I think Luke gave Ben this chance to to realize what he was doing meant nothing. Yeah, it was just so stupid, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. in that moment when, you know luke isn't really there and you can see it on kylo ren's face that he's like oh my god what did i just do like i just let everyone go i i was really selfish in this moment it means nothing and i thought it would mean everything for me to get this revenge it really just doesn't and i think Mm -hmm. that in then in the next scene when we see Kylo kneeling to ray like it Wanting acceptance, I think he's like, "Wow, I completely failed," and what is he going to do with that failure? I think is a major question for the next. But I do think that that lesson comes from a from Yoda, and without that, without that wisdom of Yoda, I don't think things would have materialized in the same way that they did on Crate to allow character development for literally every character, (laughs) you know?
1: Casually, everyone. So it actually reminds me of that part in, uh, yes, you guessed it, the last Jedi novelization. Um, It's on page 195, and it's between Luke and Yoda. And it says, quote, And then he, Yoda, sounded faintly regretful. We are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. And that word regretful just like changed my Yoda life. (laughs) Because I think it's finally what I, it's like what we've been talking about this whole time. It's like Yoda finally saw the bigger picture. And I think maybe in a way he understood that he didn't have that kind of direct compassion with people, or I'm kind of assuming that that's the journey he went on um, in the forced afterlife <laughs> mm-hmm. and kind of understanding the role that he played and, and also I guess like the acceptance that no matter what in a way destiny like these things were predestined they were inevitable but maybe how things could have been different or um, you know how maybe he sh- he should have been honest with Luke in you know during the original trilogy and that Luke made the same mistake he did and he was regretful of that but then at the same time Luke grew beyond what Yoda was too. Yeah. And um, we had after – I think it was either after our last Jedi Novelization episode or after one of our episodes about the last Jedi, we had a listener who wrote a piece kind of in response to it. And they wrote it really eloquently about this whole reason that like this is why Kylo has to live. Mm -hmm. Um, This is why he can't die. You know, if he is to be redeemed, this is why he can't die because – he has to pass on what he has learned. He has to let other people learn from his failure Mm
0: -hmm. um,
1: in order for others to grow beyond what he is. And if he doesn't, then the cycle just repeats itself. Things are hidden. Things are concealed. Generations are separated by age Mm -hmm. um, and in a way, distrust of one another. Um, Like Yoda thinking that Luke couldn't handle the burden of the truth of his father. Yeah, And that's what we always talk about with with Ray and Kylo is that they are in the same generation. They don't conceal things from each other, and but I think that like Kylo has to live because he has to pass on what he has learned. He has to pass on his failure, mm-hmm. um, and that like that's what people haven't been doing. Right, <laughs> they haven't been passing that on, and everyone just kept making the same mistakes. And Yoda finally in Last Jedi
0: is like, look. <laughs> you gotta
1: yeah i didn't you didn't none of us did it look where we are the trees on fire i don't know where ray is (laughs) i'm gonna switch some things up
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's it's Uh, funny i i think it's it's super interesting because this line in this scene was, to me, the ultimate recognition of everything that came before. Mm -hmm. And while we can spend hours at the mic and just on our own discussing how brilliant the prequel trilogy is and how it really shines a light on, you know, the downfalls that caused the Empire in a very complicated manner and how there's so much going on and everything's at stake, But to me, this line really solidified that for me, where it was like, okay, now we actually have a character who lives beyond the afterlife, who is recognizing that his time that we as an audience have spent with him has been filled with error, and that that error is actually important. And I think that that was just such a breath of fresh air. And it, like, made me kind of, like, sigh relief, basically, that that kind of reading is accurate, you know, that that we can – I don't know, that that there was an acknowledgement of failure in the past, mm-hmm. at least.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's, like, we just hadn't heard that.
0: Yeah, we within really had film. it.
1: Yeah, within the film, we had right. it. We look at it, and you hear, like, George talking about it, and that's how we discuss it. And even with the Clone Wars, they're like, yeah, they're just showing you inching closer and closer to total and complete destruction. Um, that's the Clone Wars. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. But no one in the films really talks about it until we get to The Last Jedi. And it's Yoda who sums it up so nicely. Pass on what you have learned but mostly pass on your failures. And, you know, you think about – I think about a lot with, like, my parents, and I'm sure a lot of us have this experience too of, you know, your parents, I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. Uh, or, like, these are the things I regret in my life. Um, and they, I feel like parents a lot of the time want to tell you those things, that you don't make the same mistakes too. Uh, and I don't know, I think that's that's kind of the same thing here that we just hadn't seen yet.
0: Yeah, but there is a piece of you should make those mistakes, too. Like, it's important to make mistakes and to share them because that collective experience of failure and making mistakes is only human.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I I, yeah. I don't think it's it's much of a here's my failure so don't you make the same mistake because I think that the point of Star Wars and these trilogies are that the same mistakes are being made over and over again and it's like how can an individual change that I just think it's important to recognize that that idea of failure which is one of the major themes of The Last Jedi is important to progress forward despite the fact that perhaps the mistake had been made in in the past and you had been warned about it.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of the thing about taking these story and and mythological lessons into the real world, that translation Mm -hmm. that's like, I think for our characters in universe, like, you know, Kylo lives at the end and is redeemed or whatever. And that next person, he's like, or whatever, (laughs) that next person (laughs) that comes down the line, he's like, listen, do not make the same mistake I did. The galaxy, turmoil. (laughs) Yeah. Very bad. <laughs> right. um, but the, like, of course, the lesson is that we all make mistakes and mm-hmm. we can all rectify them and grow from them, grow beyond them. And part of that and part of growing up is telling it to the next generation and hoping to pass along some of that wisdom too. So that even though you know they're making mistakes, they're just different ones. Uh, yeah, you're
0: armed with the wisdom of the things that went wrong in the past.
1: Yeah, if you're listening.
0: If only Anakin was armed with some sort of knowledge of how to deal with his premonitions from of Padme. Like, if only he had been warned from the past where we see these stories and, you know, external canon and everything, like, being reflected and similar things happening and people not really knowing how to do anything with... I don't know how to deal with your attachment that apparently is wrong. And I think that all of... Those failures could have helped Anakin in feeling less alone, yeah. I, I, which, again, is another huge theme of The Last Jedi, you know? Even,
1: like, if only. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, no one all, – all anyone could ever say to Anakin was, you're wrong for feeling this way or having these attachments, having this, ar- this arrogance, having this fear. Mm-hmm. But no one was like, all right, here's what we do about it. Here's how we learn from it. You know, no one was ever saying, or or even like what they should have been saying was that it's not wrong to have those feelings. But within the context of the Jedi and who they were at that time, no one was saying, let's get to the root of this. Let's make sure we don't become a Dark Lord of the Sith. How about Uh that? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I just, this is where Yoda, for me, works the most. Uh, And I think that's the point um, for him to have come this far and to understand that he was complicit in in this story. He was a player in the way that things turned out. And you can't necessarily blame him or say that it's like it's Yoda's fault that everything was destroyed because he had a lot of factors working against him. And he had a lot of his own fears, too. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Like I said, uh, I think of him as very isolated in the second trilogy. But here he's learned to not keep that inside, to not carry that burden on his own. And part of failure, like the passing on failure is owning up to your own failure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that can be so hard to do, especially when you're embarrassed about it or you know you could have done something differently. and Or you were selfish about the choices you made. And that led to failure or to hurting someone else, to folly. Mm-hmm.
0: Also, this part of Yoda just has the, that great little laughing and tapping his toes moment mm-hmm. that just really solidifies this as one of the best Yodas, if not the best Yoda. Fully formed Yoda.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it is.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think it's
0: great. Do we think Yoda is going to appear, without getting too speculatory, in... The Rise of Skywalker.
1: I have said this before. I think that we will hear the voices of many past Jedi, including Anakin, including Yoda. I think that perhaps the only force ghost we'll see is Luke though.
0: I don't know.
1: I know, I know.
0: <laughs> I feel like we might get a, I think you're probably right with, you'll we'll probably hear a voice. I mean, there's precedent for that. It might just continue, mm-hmm. you know, like world yeah. between the world style.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think they'll be – I think Yoda or I think Ray and Kai will be in a world between worlds type of place and Luke will be there and Luke will be like, look guys, Palpatine's back. And they're like, who's Palpatine? He's like, well, let me give you a crash course. And then we hear from all these other people mm-hmm. like Anakin and Obi-Wan and Yoda and then Luke is like, go forth and conquer <laughs> and, and be nice to each other. <laughs> yeah. that's
0: That's your rise of <laughs> – Skywalker spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the script. Academy Award. <laughs>
1: Academy, Academy Award. Just for everyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Especially you. <laughs> is there anything else that we want to discuss about Yoda? I think there is a lot
1: more for Yoda. And I, I don't think there is room for it in this discussion, perhaps. But... Uh, I think maybe we could do, like, a whole episode on this at some point. I don't know. It would just be us yabbering in circles, I feel like. Which we do a lot, but perhaps even more so. Of just, like, how Star Wars is created and the fact that, like, original trilogy Yoda was what we got first, and then they built on his character, but in the past, and then they built on his character, but in the future of the timeline too. And But then we have, like, all of this content of him in the Clone Wars and, and how that works with what they already had of him in the second and original trilogies and just, like, how – Interesting that is mm-hmm. as far as tracking with character development. And I think that is applicable for a lot of characters. Um but it's something something that I think we should mull more on.
0: All right, let's do that. Let's mull.
1: Yeah, mulling.
0: Well, I think that brings us to the end of our episode 2 of our Yoda series. I feel like I'm getting to know Yoda so well.
1: I feel like I am too. I feel like I Still have the same feelings, but I'm more at peace with it.
0: I feel like I understand. I've never been on the same level as you about Yoda, but I understand. I, I, I feel like I'm firm in my belief of understanding that Yoda's purpose. hmm Yeah. 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 Agreed. Rather than, like, see him for what he's not, you know? Mm-hmm. I think if anything, this episode really helped
1: me begin to separate Yoda in the story versus how people bring him into the real world, which is what yes. you were talking about. And that is a big piece of what I've been missing in my Star Wars life. Uh-huh. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this has been really fun, actually. Um This has been good. So up next, we, so this was Yoda two up next. We have Yoda three, which is going to be all about Clone Wars Yoda. And we will have a commentary on Patreon again, just a reminder if you're interested in that, but I think that is going to wrap up Yoda two and you can find us all over the internet. Um, our Twitter is at SkyTalkersPod. That's probably where we're most active. We also have an Instagram, SkyTalkersPodcast. We also have an email, Podcast at Gmail, if you want to send us your thoughts. We do respond to all of them. Sometimes we're a little slow, but we will get back to you. Uh, and oh, we also have our own personal Twitter handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher, and Charlotte's is at Crarity. You can find us at SkyTalkers.com, and if you want to support the show, you can head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. One, they make us really, really happy, and they make our day. When you leave us a written review, we literally send them back and forth, and they really do, like, bring light to our days. <laughs> and, uh They help other people find the show as well. So other people can talk to us about Cute Yoda and Round Yoda versus Watermelon Yoda and all kinds of Yoda. (laughs) So please do that if you haven't already.
0: And I want to say a huge thank you to our amazing patrons jason Lindsay, gina shelbo joey james kathy gee kate nathan sam bailey eric kelly amy neal mary larry james sarah Susanna, z sheree angela diana becca katie courtney amy kelly jim suara candace kimma julia matthew jammin jedi jackson carrie jackson Raphael, David, Ada, Liz, Christian, Nicole, Jonathan, Rachel, Aaron, Brooke, Rebecca, Kathy, I, Rebelle, Kimberly, Ewan, Donnie, Vundacast Productions, Christian, Adam, Megan, Courtney, Santara, Thomas, John, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady, Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpa, Ruru, Patrick, James, Hamsa, from a certain point of view, the Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kells, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Alyssa, Rebecca, Delaney, Angela, Ally, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Molly, Claire, Brad, Unspeakable, Caitlin, Rebecca, Helly, Scott, BJ, Casey, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, the Clashing Sabres podcast, and Chuck. Thank you all so much for supporting us. Your support truly truly, truly meets the world.
1: Yes. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you.
0: May the force be with you.